0: all right good evening i've got uh, 6 30 so we'll try to get started pastor is uh in atlanta for some meetings with the convention so uh, i'm here tonight uh i was supposed to teach a couple weeks ago and do job and then he, we traded out and i'm doing proverbs i thought man that's an upgrade <laughs> at least for a simple mind you know i can do proverbs and So uh, I'm excited about being here tonight and uh, we're going to look at Proverbs and uh, figure out a little bit about it and maybe look at it a little bit differently and uh, see what's in there. We'll plumb the depths of it, this great book. Well, join me as we pray and then we'll get started. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word, every single word of it. Lord, and for the book of Proverbs, we're grateful for the wisdom that is there. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes tonight. Allow us to see the, the riches that exist in these 31 chapters. Allow us, Lord God, to apply that to our lives on a daily basis Lord, so that we can become more like Christ and that the, others, the people around us will see that there is something different. The confidence that we have as we face the circumstances of life. Lord, the wisdom that's here, may you allow us to see it. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's look at uh, the book of Proverbs tonight. If you think Proverbs is really probably one of the that in Psalms, I would argue maybe the two most recognizable books in Scripture. When you think about all of the world, both believers and non-believers, uh, Proverbs is one of those books that uh, even unbelievers will read and and try to get glean nuggets out of it. And so, but I think there's obviously a lot more for those of us that are believers. And so let's, we're going to dive into that a little bit. We're going to look at the outline and some other things. Of course, the authorship is primarily the, was King Solomon. Uh, we see that in, the, in the, all tw- 29 passages, the first 29 chapters. There is some argument uh, that some of them were written by some other wise men, but there's not enough argument to, to really rely on that. So Solomon wrote the first 29 chapters. Agur wrote chapter 30. And then King Lemuel wrote, wrote chapter 31, of course, the famous passage that, uh, you know, the, uh, the wise woman. And so we see the authorship with primarily those three men, Solomon being uh, the first 29 chapters, and then you see Agur and Lemuel. The purpose, I think, we can see in, uh, in chapter 1, in verses 2 through 6. Let me read those, and I think it becomes very clear why Solomon wrote, was divinely inspired to write these proverbs, and then why it's included in the canon. Of course, verse 1 says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Then in verse 2, why? To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, in equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance." to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Solomon says the, the purpose of this book is for you to receive instruction in righteousness and in justice and in equity. And not just to receive it, but to give prudence so that we, we are the simple ones, and you'll see this in and we we'll get to chapter 9, we are the simple ones. <laughs> but for us that are simple, to receive knowledge and discretion, to give to hear and to increase in learning. I think in verse 7 we see the real theme of the whole book. Solomon says in verse 7, he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord, that's what this whole book is about, is to understand the fear of the Lord. And within that context, the fear of the Lord, that's basically our guide rails, the fear of the Lord then becomes the beginning of knowledge. So without understanding the fear of the Lord, without applying the fear of the Lord, this, this whole book doesn't make sense. And so we, we fear our holy God. And because of that fear, we, we look at Proverbs and we apply those because we know, we know they came from God. Let's look just briefly at an outline of the book of Solomon. In chapters 1 through 9, Solomon kind of lays out for us a motivation for wisdom. So why do we want to get this wisdom in the first place? And so he begins his argument, beginning there in verse 8, he talks about uh, the call of wisdom um, in in chapter 1. In, In verse 20, he writes, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out, at the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? In chapter 2, he lays out the value of wisdom. In chapter 3, you know, we, we trust. is to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Of course, we all know verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. We trust in the Lord not just with a part of who we are but with all of our heart. And Solomon is trying to remind us that it's not our own understanding. We're simple ones and our understanding is very simple. But we trust God's understanding and we lean on His understanding. And in all our ways we acknowledge Him and He will make our paths straight. In chapter 4, we see a father's wise instruction as a father teaches his son. It's interesting throughout the book of Proverbs when you see a son that refers to all of us as children of God. But the writer of Proverbs says, hear, hear, O son, my wise instruction. Beginning in verse 5, we see a call against, a warning rather, against adultery. And this is not just physical adultery, but it's also spiritual adultery. So the writer of Proverbs uses physical adultery, that image, to talk about the spiritual adultery that can also be prevalent in our lives as believers. We see that in, verse eight, in chapter 8, rather, we see blessings. In chapter 9, we'll come back to that in just a minute, but I, I believe chapter 9 is probably the key comparative pa- passage in all of, of, of this, this book. We'll see wisdom and we'll see folly in chapter 9. And then beginning in chapter 10, we see some pithy statements from Solomon. That's where the Proverbs really start kicking in and you get these one-off statements and you start, you know. But we'll talk about how these statements have to be understood. And then, of course, in 30, we see Agur. And then in 31, King Lemuel writes his his chapter and it ends, the, the whole book of Proverbs ends with the passage we're familiar with about the virtuous woman, the woman who fears the Lord beginning there in verse 10 all the way through chapter 31. Well, I want us to go back for a few minutes and let's look at chapter 9. We've kind of set up. We've got um, Solomon has given us this motivation in these first eight chapters of why we should apply this wisdom to our lives, why we should listen to these proverbs that he's about to declare. But in chapter 9, we, we see this contrast between wisdom. And folly. So join with me as, we, as I read chapter 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She, also, she has also set her table. She has sent out her young men to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will have you, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and your years will be added to your life, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. And then we see the contrast, beginning in verse 13. "The woman folly is loud. she is seductive and knows nothing. So we have two women here. We've got the, woman, the lady wisdom and the brash woman folly. So we see these two and it's interesting that both of them cry out in verse four. Lady wisdom says whoever is simple let him turn in here to him who lacks sense. And woman folly says whoever is simple let him turn in here. So as I mentioned earlier and we see in the book of Proverbs that all of us are simple. We're all like sheep that have gone astray. We have these two very clear choices. We can either follow Lady Wisdom or we can be seduced by this woman called Folly. But they con- their lives, their, their outcomes are very contrasting. Wisdom says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. And that's, that's literally probably... Wine mixed with some spices or something. It's enhanced. It's, it's a, you know, the bread is delicious. It's fresh. It's refreshing. This wine is refreshing. She said, come and eat. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Woman Folly says, stolen water is sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. She's having to dress up what she's giving. Lady Wisdom is, all she's got to do is present the fruit of the vine in this delicious fresh bread that's good for the soul, good for the body. But this loud, seductive woman named Folly says, "Well, but my water, she's having to dress it up. My water is sweet and bread eaten secret is pleasant. She's having to, to describe, she's having to lie about this, the food that she's trying to offer. But what does Lady Wisdom have? She says, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. She said, If you follow my ways, if you eat the bread and drink the wine that I prepared for you, you'll leave your simple ways. Remember, we talked about we we're simple, but we're going to talk about this wisdom in a minute. If you get this wisdom from Lady Wisdom, now all of a sudden you begin, you get insight from God. You leave your simple ways and you live and you walk in the way of insight. Whereas this loud, brash, seductive woman, folly, says, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But, this is a big but, he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. The choice seems very simple, doesn't it? We can either follow Lady Wisdom and have insight and wisdom and abundant life, or we follow this brash woman named Folly And we follow into the depths of Sheol and into death. And as I was studying this passage this week, I wondered, well, why in the world would not would everybody not follow Lady Wisdom? Well, it's it seems all nice and neat and contri and when you when you read it here, but the reality is Satan is the deceiver; he's the father of all lies, and he dresses up this brash woman named Folly. And he he makes the water seem sweeter and the bread seem more delicious. But that's not the way it is. And we're going to talk in a little bit about how it's not enough just to know these things. But we have to apply them to our lives. Because the reality is every day we're faced with these two choices. We can either follow wisdom or we can be seduced by folly. And that's why the book of Proverbs was written. I want to read for you again, verses 9 through 12. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Going back to verse 7 in chapter 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied and your years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will hear it. We need to hear the wise instruction from the writer of Solomon there in verse 9. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. We have to daily follow lady wisdom. We can't get caught up in the seduction of this world because it so easily entraps us but rather we have to be diligent and prudent to make sure that we follow the ways of wisdom and we aren't seduced by the ways of folly because they're everywhere. They're everywhere in this world. It so easily entraps us. Um, And so that's why we have to apply this book of Proverbs. Well, how do we do that? How do we begin to read and interpret this book? We talked about all these pithy statements that Solomon has written. And so I want to, as i was studying, I kind of pulled a bunch of resources from several different writers, from Mark Dever and um, John Piper and from Master Seminary. And I think there's at least seven different ways that we can remind ourselves of how we need to read and interpret Proverbs. When we come to Proverbs, how do we apply it to our lives? How do we study it? How do we understand it? Um, for many of you, it, you'll read a proverb a day. That's a, you know, one chapter a day. It's easy to get through that. But if we're not careful, they just become pithy statements. And they become reminders every now and then. We, we think about something. Oh, yeah, I read that proverb, but we need to apply them deeper to our life. The first thing I think we need to do is we need to enjoy the poetic imagery. Now, I'm going to count it by nature. Everything is black and white. I love numbers. Um, poetry was never my thing. I can read poetry, and it just goes right over my head, you know? <laughs> that made absolutely no sense. All this allegory, and I get, I mean... I, I struggle with poetry. Now, I wish I read more, but I do think there's unbelievable uh, imagery. There's poetic imagery within the book of Proverbs that, as we begin to appreciate that, it brings it to life. Now, I am going to start with my favorite type of imagery here in Proverbs, um, and that's the mathematical imagery. <laughs> there, there is a mathematical emphasis even in the book of Proverbs. I love the way he writes this. Um, Look in chapter 6, verse 16. In this scripture, he'll do this. He says, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. So when you see that, when you see that imagery where he says, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination. What in the world is he talking about? Well, oftentimes that seventh is one you really want to pay attention to. So listen to these six things. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies. So there's six. And one who sows discord among brothers. So when you read in the book of Proverbs, when you read that there are six things that I hate, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, really pay attention to that seventh. Because the writer's trying to use this poetic imagery to say, here are these six things, but... I don't know, there was a, remember, how many of you remember Lost in Space? And remember the little robot would come out, Danger Will Robinson, you know, and it kind of. I want you to remember that there's danger there. In that number seven, there's real danger. The danger is one who sows discord among brothers. So when you read in scripture, when you see there's six things and there are seven, pay attention to that seventh. There's also metaphors. Look at chapter 25. And if I, some of you English teachers, if I get some of these mixed up a little bit, don't chastise me too greatly, at least not publicly. Chapter 25, we see metaphors all throughout this chapter. These also are Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah copied. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. As the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. Take away the dross from the silver and the smith has material for a vessel. Take away the wicked from the presence of the king and his throne will be established in righteousness. Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great. For it is better to be told, come up here than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. What your eyes have seen, do not hastily bring into court. For what will you do in the end when your neighbor puts you to shame? Argue your case with your neighbor himself and do not reveal another secret, lest he who bears hears you brings shame upon you and your ill repute have no end. He goes on and on and on. A filthy word spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. We see these metaphors, these examples. So when you see metaphors, enjoy those metaphors. We see similes in um, chapter 26 verse 1. Like snow in summer or rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Now I love snow, but it Snow in summer is not going to last very long, right? And the last thing you want when you're trying to bring the wheat in out of the field is a bunch of rain that's going to make it all wet and you can't get the tractors out there and it ruins the crop. So what Solomon is saying, he says these, sim- these similes like snow in summer or rain in harvest, so honor's not fitting for a fool. Down in verse 7. Like a lame man's legs which hang useless is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like one who binds the stone in the sling is one who gives honor to a fool. Like a thorn that goes up into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or drunkard. Can you imagine an archer just kind of blindlessly just kind of shooting arrows? Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. We see similes, we've mathematical emphases. We see metaphors, similes. We saw in chapter 9 personification where the writer of Proverbs actually talks about wisdom being a woman and folly being a woman. Obviously wisdom and folly are not you know, actual people but throughout we see this, this imagery of this personification of these characteristics. Of course there's all a host of others and if I really understood poetry I'd be able to explain them a lot better. But... All throughout Proverbs, we see the beauty of this poet, these poetic images that Solomon uses. And they, they they speak to our hearts, they speak to our minds, and we can see those things and enjoy the beauty that even we see within wisdom, there's beauty in wisdom. Because there's beauty in this poetry. The second thing I think we can do when we come to Proverbs and we read it and try to understand it, is we can appreciate the general revelation that's here. Even if you, if you remember the difference between specific and general revelation, specific revelation is one specific thing that God has shown us. General revelation is something that all of creation can see, the beauty of the trees. You know, I love this time of the year as the, as the leaves change and, and we see the, the, the beauty of nature and all the things. So even there, right the, as the writer writes these things, he gives us some examples of general revelation that we can appreciate and, and gather from them. In chapter 6, verse 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Then he goes on to say, How long are you going to lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? If you've ever studied ants, you see how they nobody tells them what to do. They just go and do. They work. They do. We see God's handiwork there. In verse sixteen, chapter sixteen, rather, verse twenty-four. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. There is nothing like fresh honey that came right off of a honeycomb, is there? It's so natural. It's a whole lot better than this sugar stuff you get in the grocery store. And so Solomon is saying that my words, I want you to understand, because they would have understood the honey and the taste of that honeycomb straight off the honeycomb. Gracious words are like that honeycomb. They're sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Remember King David, how he took the, um, the honey and it revived his soldier. And so Solomon is trying to remind us, even in this general revelation, that we, as we understand honeycomb, as we understand the honey that comes off the honeycomb, the same thing is true for his words. In chapter 17, verse 12, let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. You know, I really have no desire to um, run into a she-bear that's been robbed of her cubs. That doesn't sound like it uh, would be very pleasant. If you've ever seen a bear in the, just the size of their paws, it's unbelievable their power. But the writer says it's better that you do that than a, run into a fool in his folly. So we understand, as we understand the power of nature, uh, look in, verse, in chapter 25, verse 14 is another example of this revelation. Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of a gift he does not give. I don't know if you've ever planted and expected maybe this time of the year. For I don't have fescue in my yard, so you know this is the time of the year everybody's aerating and seeding and put all that seed in the ground. With a, you know we need rain, right? We need rain to grow that seed. The last thing we need is just a bunch of clouds and thunder and you know and all talk and no action. And so the writer of Proverbs says, just like the clouds and wind without rain, is the man who boasts of the gift that he does not give. I think the third thing when we come so. We've talked about enjoying this poetic imagery and we've talked about appreciating the general revelation and we can relate to what we see in nature and God's general revelation to what we see in Scripture. The third thing is we have, just like all of Scripture, we have to understand the historical and cultural context of the Proverbs when we read them. We can't relate them one-to-one with, you know, that, that century pre-Christ pre with what's going on in 23 without understanding the context. Um, Ron and I got hooked on this uh, documentary. It was uh, Eight Days That Made Rome and they went back all the way to Scipio defeating Hannibal and just kind of walking through all the way up through um, Spartacus and Nero and Augustus and King Agrippa and uh, all the, you know, these eight significant days in Rome and it was fascinating to be reminded as we were watching that and, and, and you see how it played out. In fact, they talk about the, um, the sack of, of Jerusalem, and you know, there's, a, there's an arch in Rome there where it depicts how the Roman Empire sacked the temple and took all the treasures out and, and funded basically the Roman Empire you know, in, in A.D. 70. But it's important to, to understand kind of the culture and what's going on when you read Scripture as you understand that and then you begin to read Scripture through the lens of the reader from that time. We need to understand what that reader in that day would have understand this, and then we can relate it to what's going on today. So we we need to be careful that just like all the rest of scripture, when we read these words from from God, when we read God's word, that we apply them based on our understanding of what was happening at the time. Uh, The principles are universal, but they must be understood within that context. The fourth thing I think we have to be be careful is that we have to rely on the Holy Spirit for interpretation. Just like anything else in Scripture, we can't come to God's Word just thinking, I can can do this all by myself and I'll figure all this out. No, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. When we come and read these words, and the Holy Spirit will illuminate the the context for us. He will illuminate these words so that we can apply them and not just read the statements for what they are, but we can begin to apply them to our life and really understand uh, how to make sense and how to make that wisdom uh, more uh, agreeable to us. And that's why it's so important when you come to Scripture, if if you do it in the morning, if you do it in the evening, whatever your time of the day is, that before you read God's Word, that you spend some time in prayer. And you don't need to spend an hour necessarily, but that's okay if you do. But the point is not just to come in cold and expect your own understanding to help you interpret what Scripture says. It's really critical. You know, Christ reminded us that a helper was coming, and that helper is the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that interprets Scripture for us. And so when we read these Proverbs and we try to apply them to our lives, it's important that the Holy Spirit is going ahead of us and teaching us what these say. And we're not relying on our own wisdom because it is folly. I think the fifth thing we need to understand is that our complicated lives require more than just Proverbs. They require wisdom. We all live very complex and complicated lives. I don't know what you've got going on, but I guarantee if if we had time, everybody in this room could walk through some of the things that they're dealing with in their life, maybe this week, maybe this month, this year, whatever. They're very complex things. And the writer of Proverbs wrote these things down so that we could apply those. But remember going all the way back to chapter 1. He says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And that that fools despise wisdom instruction. But it's when we begin to get that fear of the Lord that we get knowledge. And that knowledge leads to wisdom. So we need to pray that the Lord would, would not just give us knowledge. Not that we live in a society that... Uh, we're probably the most knowledge, knowledgeable society that's ever lived on the face of the earth. Especially with cell phones and computers. We can look up any fact that we want to. You know, I can watch a documentary on Rome. <laughs> and in a few hours have a much better understanding of what happened. But knowledge without wisdom is folly. And so we need to be reminded that these, these proverbs are here not just to give us knowledge but to give us wisdom. And so our lives require much more than just a few pithy statements. They require statements that are applied through the lens of wisdom as the Holy Spirit has given us that wisdom. Number six. Simply reading the Proverbs will not make a fool wise. Now, I say that a little sarcastically because we all have people we know could probably stand to read the Proverbs every day over and over and over again because they're not applying them. <laughs> and we all, have a, we all know a lot of unbelievers that read Proverbs. I've got people that talk, they'll talk about Proverbs, you know, that they don't believe in God, but they'll believe in some of these Proverbs because they're very practical things. But these Proverbs, just reading them without applying them in the context of Scripture will not make you wise. They'll make you knowledgeable. They may make you smart or intelligent. They may keep you from making a foolish decision, um, but they will not make you wise. They will not give you wisdom. They must be understood within the context of Scripture. They must be accompanied by the fear of the Lord. It's not enough just to read these things and apply them, oh, that's a good business decision. Or, you know, I really don't want to make them angry, so I'm going to, you know, just like don't want to rob the she bear of her cubs, I'm not going to, you know. At some point, you stop talking to that person because you're just beating your head against a wall. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, there's, that's smart. That's understandable. But that's not enough. You need to understand where their, their folly is, where their, their lack of wisdom is. These Proverbs are practical, but they're not simplistic. And what I mean by that, these are, Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs in a very practical way. He took it and, and simplified things down, things that we could understand. That's, that's the beauty of these pithy statements is that we can't apply them. But there's much deeper understanding and wisdom behind them. And so we need to um, realize that there are depths that we need to plumb, uh, plumb rather with, um, with these proverbs. And how do we do that? I think we do that by meditating on them slowly and deliberately over time. Yes, there is um, there's a lot of benefit in reading a proverb a day, reading one chapter a day. But there's also a lot of benefit in going back and just pouring over one or two proverbs for a day or two or three. And read the same one over and over as we try to get deep into the, the depths of what those proverbs mean. They need to be meditated on slowly and deliberately over time. That's why... Scripture can't just be read in one sitting and, you know, one time I've read through the Bible, one time I'm good to go. That's not the way it works because God's Word is so deep and so intricate. And the Holy Spirit applies it to us differently every time we read it because He takes our wisdom and our, understanding, our own knowledge and understanding and applies them differently. And so we need to take God's Word and we need to spend time in these Proverbs and meditate on them slowly and deliberately. They must also be applied it's one thing to have the understanding and not use it. It's another thing to actually apply that understanding and put it to use. Just like we know, if we know in our heads that wisdom is better than folly, but yet we don't really apply that, it's very easy for us to go down the path of this seductive woman named Folly. Number seven, proper application of Proverbs comes with time. And experience. This kind of goes back to what we talked about in number six. But it takes time and experience, day after day, month after month, year after year, filtering these, these words through the experiences of our life. It's one thing for me to read, you know, when it, you read in chapter four where he's talking about, oh, son. Well, when I read that before I had any children, that meant one thing. But as you have children and then have grandchildren, you you can begin to read that through the experiences of your life and the scripture becomes alive. And that understanding of of these Proverbs becomes that much more intricate and detailed in my life and I can begin to apply it. So know that you're not going to read all the, like we said earlier, you're not going to be able to read the Proverbs and understand every single, all of them all in one sitting. But that's the beauty of scripture, that as we grow and as we mature, And as we go through things in life, God begins to apply those things. And then the next time we read that proverb, we go, oh, yes, I understand because I was in that situation. I understand because I've gone through this and I've got the scar to prove that that wasn't the right way to go. Sometimes that experience is good. Sometimes the experience is bad. But proper application of these proverbs comes with time and it comes with experience. T.S. Eliot wrote where is the life we have lost in living where's the wisdom we have lost in knowledge where is the knowledge we have lost in information where's the life we have lost in living I think sometimes we get so busy doing things and living and going from one meeting to the next or doing this activity or that activity that we forget where life is we forget to actually live. He says, where's the, wis- where's the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? Talked about, and then he says also, where's the knowledge we have lost in information? We are in an information society. I think we get flooded with so much information that sometimes we don't take the time to really understand and get knowledge, the knowledge that leads to wisdom and the wisdom that leads to life. Let me encourage you to slow down. Slow down and and spend time in God's Word. Spend time in these Proverbs. That's really the goal of the Proverbs is not these quick fixes. Yes, there are some things that, yeah, if you'll apply them today, they're going to change your life. But the goal of these Proverbs is to apply them to your life and to study on them and to meditate on them day after day and month after month and year after year. It's not just simply an avoidance of sin and punishment, but it's literally having that abundant life. Let me go back to chapter 9. And let me encourage you in this, this regard. We saw the contrast with wisdom and folly. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight." That's why the book of Proverbs was written. It was written for us to leave our simple ways and to live and to walk in the way of insight. And we can't do that without spending time meditating on this word, without spending time truly trying to grasp what it means and allowing it to get deep into our soul and not just be a surface uh, issue, but to really deep down get into our souls and change not just how we act, but how we think. And that's the goal of Proverbs. Is for a deep, God wants to change not just our actions, but he wants to change our thoughts and our being because we apply these Proverbs to our life. My prayer for you is that um, you'll spend some time in the Proverbs. It's a beautiful book. It's incredibly deep. But as we spend time in, in God's Word, just like anything else, in these Proverbs, we can grow deeper deeper we can gain not just knowledge, but we can gain wisdom. And it's that wisdom that will really change our lives. And it changes the lives of the ones, of those around us. And it won't just be that we'll avoid sin and punishment, but we'll then begin to live that abundant life. Would you join me as we pray, and then we'll let you guys out a little bit early tonight. Lord, we're humbled by the fact that You care enough about us to desire this wisdom for us. Lord, we're humbled by the fact that you used your servant Solomon. Lord, to divinely write these these words of wisdom. And Father, I pray that we would see that they're not just pithy statements. They're not just good things to to know and understand. But Lord, they're, they're statements and proverbs that lead to wisdom. And, Lord, it's that wisdom that leads to life. Life abundant because it's life in you. It's life in right relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue to give us wisdom. That you would allow us to slow down, Lord, and not be so caught up in information and living and and all the hustle and bustle around us that we fail to see who you are. Lord, may we reflect on your word. May we not just hear it, but may we apply it to every aspect of our lives. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.